Istanbul was Constantinople, now it's Istanbul, now Constantinople, been a long time gone, Constantinople, now it's Thursday light, on a moonlit night. Hello there, my name is Tom Chick, you are listening to the Quarter to Three Games Podcast, where this week, uh, October 23rd, 24, 25, something like that, this week, my game of the week, it is not Magic the Gathering. Oh, oh, all right. <laughs> and, uh, I'm Jason McMaster, and uh, my game of the week is not Elemental War Magic. Oh, uh, hello, this is Rob Harvey, also known as Chaplain in the Forums, and my game of the week is not Guild Wars 2. Oh. All right, and that's tonight's guest. He will now be leaving this podcast. Oh. We are kicking him off. Uh, that's that's a terrible thing. Rob, I have two things to say to you mm-hmm. for that. Uh, horses and bayonets. <laughs> yeah. Well, oh, it's... it's yeah. <laughs> that, by the way, that's just that's my blanket comeback to anything that I don't like hearing. By the oh, way, it, all right, all right. I thought you were going with the political theme of your some of your recent uh, articles, but uh... oh, I know where you. Oh, you did not just do that. Uh, well, I don't. I, uh... Hurtful, hurtful. Uh, Rob, if you're talking about what I think you're talking about, uh, I was I accidentally compared Deus Ex and 9/11 uh, in front of uh, a, on a BBC radio show. Uh, this week, which, um, in my defense, I just want to point out, uh, when you have someone asking you a question in an English accent, uh, it, it has a different kind of demand placed on it than when someone just asks you a question in a normal accent. I don't know if you guys have experienced this. Um, you know, let me just let me just run an experiment. Are you guys up for this? Sure. Uh, okay. Okay. I'm just gonna, McMaster. We'll start with you, McMaster. I'm just gonna ask you a question in an American accent. And answer it. Then I want to ask you a question in an English accent and just see what a difference it makes. Okay? Are you ready for this? All right. All right. That sounds okay. good. And then, Rob, I'm going to do it to you as well. All right. Here we go. McMaster. Jason McMaster, what is your middle name? Van. Okay. See? That wasn't hard. Now, now are you ready for this, McMaster? Yes. <clears throat> Jason Van McMaster, what is the solution to the financial crises suffered by third world countries that accept aid from the International Monetary Fund? Uh, Deus Ex is like 9-11. <laughs> See what happens? See? I know. That it really just threw me off. Uh, it's crazy. You totally proved my case. <laughs> Bob, I'm not even going to subject, subject you to the same terror. Actually, yeah. speaking of terror, the only thing worse than being asked a question by someone in an English accent is being asked a question by someone speaking German. Well, yeah, that is true. Well, yes, it does, yes. Uh, so let's see. That's our political segment. Let's talk some video games. Rob, you uh, you uh, recently joined us for the MechWarrior Online uh, podcast that we did. Have you fiddled with that at all lately? Uh, sort of like an, a status update for, for anything new happening with MechWarrior Online. Uh, uh, its existence uh, is one, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I have filled it, but um, and, and this is one of the reasons why Guild Wars 2 is not my game of the week. It feels like we're just under this onslaught of new toys every few minutes, it feels like. And uh, as such, I am I have put MechWarrior online on the side, hoping to get back to it uh, you know, as more progress is made on it. So it it's a little overbearing this time of year, isn't it? I, you know, that's really what I wanted to kind of get at. I, it, Guild Wars 2 is a fine game, and I very much look forward to getting back to it. Um, but I also really scratch my head as to why this industry insists in, in marketing itself like everyone is uh, a kid without their own income. I mean, I, I think most 
of the people that are fairly involved in this marketplace have their own income that could be spent at any time of year, and I would feel like we could get a lot more out of the hobby and wouldn't be skipping as many games in the fall if this was spread out a bit. It really does. It's still uh, sort of a sign of video games being treated as toys. It's kind of that last stance, sort of the last uh, instance of that. You know, we're mainstream, we get the New York Times talking about us, blah, 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 but we're still kind of marketed and sold around the year like, like toys, aren't we? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, that's uh, yeah. So this time of year, uh, it'll be it'll be. A, I promise, folks listening, it's going to be a bloody, brutal battle for game of the week this time of year. Uh, there's no, there's not going to be any uh, like, oh, I've been playing this iPad thing for lack of something else to talk about. So that's my game of the week. Games of the week around this time of the year, it really means something. Uh, so so we'll get to that later. Uh, but first, for news of the week. Jason Van McMaster. That's by the way, that's not your real name. That's way too cool. Uh, I'm, you know what, McMaster? I'm going to trade with you for this podcast. I'm going to be Tom Van Chick, and you are going to be Jason Wesley McMaster. Ha ha. Bless. Yeah. So, uh, Jason Wesley McMaster. Before we talk about news of the week, I do want to ask you. Uh, actually, I hope I'm not scooping you. Is your game of the week something with the initials DF? Uh, yeah, you know, it is, uh, actually, I, oh. I, yeah. All right, well, in that case, I'm not going to ask you what I was going to ask you about. Uh, I have so much to give. Okay, well, we'll get to that in a second. Uh, I do want to point out uh, briefly a, a sort of an update to something that I, I wrote something on the front page about being uh, pestered for a hat in Team Fortress 2 that I had in my inventory. And apparently people can see in your inventories, and they can ask you to, to trade stuff in your inventory for stuff in their inventory. It's part of the whole Team Fortress 2 hat meta game. Uh, a fella approached me. He wanted my hat. Uh, I basically decided to tell him it was worth $16, we established. So I told him, look, if you gift me this $10 game that I've been wanting to play that I haven't played uh, called Terraria, you can have this special hat that I ended up with. And he immediately wanted no part of that, and that was kind of the last I heard from him. I did, however, get a really cool message from someone else saying, hey... Uh, I will give you this game if you give me that hat. Actually, you know what? He didn't even say that. He offered me the game. He just saw that uh, I had mentioned that, that, that this was the deal I set for this French kid who wanted the hat, uh, and he had a copy of the game, and here, I could have it. So I gave him the hat. So it wasn't even a trade. It was someone giving me a gift. I gave him a gift in return. So Bill's hat has now found a home, and I now have a copy of uh, Terraria. Um, okay. Yeah, Very nice. You know what it is, but uh, this time of year, I, I can't be arsed to play a Terraria. That's just going to have to wait until 2013 <laughs> at some point. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, so uh, news of the week, Jason Wesley McMaster. What? Now that we know your game of the week, I'm sorry for outing that, surprise oh. us with your news of the week. Uh, my news of the week is giant uh, Zynga layoffs. Mm. Uh, and uh, they are shutting down quite a bit of the company. And um, so they're having some real problems. Not new that you'd think they're used to this by now. I mean, it's uh, it's been yeah. coming for a little while. Uh, now you say a giant piece of the company. I, the, I think the last I saw wasn't it uh, five. Per, I mean, it's still a large part. Zinc is a big company, and when they lay off five percent of their workforce, that is substantial. But uh, I, I think the last I saw is that it, it represents five percent of their workforce that's being let go at this point. Oh, is it only 5%? I, I thought it was more than that for some reason. But it's still kind of a bummer. And, uh, well, for the people, you know, getting uh, laid off, et cetera. But, like, uh, that company, 
You'd have to think they're like hemorrhaging people anyway. Yeah. But Master, does this make you out of pity want to uh, put more time into Farmville? No. <laughs> yep. I'm actually hoping we'll have the uh, the secondary effect of there being less Castleville played on my uh, my laptop over here. <laughs> <laughs> Does that happen in your household a lot, Rob? Is there really some Castleville being played on your laptop? Unfortunately, there is a little bit of head shaking that happens when I see it, and a little bit of shrugging the shoulders by the other party that may or may not allegedly be playing Castleville. Yes. <laughs> now I'm really curious why. So I assume we're you're not talking about yourself. Mm-mm. And I assume you're not talking about the young boy who's otherwise preoccupied with stuff that we'll get to in a little bit. <laughs> I assume you're talking about a woman in the household, and I'm curious, how does it? how is it that she comes to Castleville instead of the various other villes and farmvilles and villevilles? Uh, what is it about Castleville that grabbed her? Well, I would only guess in the um, amount of teasing I have, I've lobbed in her direction that I think it's just a natural evolution of these kind of social games where I know Farmville was very, very popular in her past and all her friends were playing it and they were all sharing things and then at some magic point I guess she decided that, you know, this is just taking up way too much time and it's just demands about, you know, sharing and visiting and all this kind of stuff and I don't know how this then transpired, but then Castleville seems to pop up as everybody else hit the same resolution and then or same conclusion and then everybody now has move to Castleville where they're all kind of doing the same thing and making the same comments about, you know, having to, you know, trade goods and do quests and, you know, how much, how the quest rewards are so demanding or whatever. And I'm just kind of like, didn't we kind of, okay. <laughs> you know, Rob, I, I hear you describing that process and I can't help but think of people like me and uh, Jason Wesley McMaster with MMOs. Like, I, I can sit here and poo-poo MMOs all day, but the moment that my friends were playing, like, Star Wars Old Republic, or that there was even a resurgence of Vanguard for a while, uh, yeah. Guild Wars 2 is the new hotness in as much as that's possible this time of year, but uh, you you talking about her quitting the Farmville and then just getting right back in Castleville, that makes perfect sense. I can completely understand that. That is true, and as I was saying it, I was kind of like, wincing a bit as I realized I do similar things, I think, and this may be more of the fault of uh, uh, a different type of gamer, I suppose, but it seems like we all have so many other shinies to be distracted with that it seems like that realization will hit in faster, and then the move will happen quicker, and then the process will will start over again, it seems like, much with much faster turnaround. All right, so uh, Zynga in trouble, but uh, still enough people playing Castleville to keep the other 95% of the employees in business, I guess. Well, and they're also opening like a, some sort of online casino thing kind of deal. Oh, that's right, yeah. Yeah, in the U.K., so we'll see what happens there. It's like a whole new revenue stream, right? Well, isn't isn't the thinking that they're positioning themselves for when the restrictions that currently exist in the U.S. are lifted, right? Is that part of what's going on there? Yeah, I mean, I would imagine so. I mean, it was a really big market when it was uh, available in the U.S., so I can't imagine people not wanting to get back into that. All right, so if you if you really want to help Zynga, write your local congressman, ask them to lift the restrictions on Internet gambling, uh, and then Zynga will be back in the money. All right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right, so Jason Van McMaster, thanks for once again bringing the room down with news about Zynga. Nice work. I enjoy it. Uh, Rob Harvey, what is your news of the week, and is it something uh, that we that will bring a little more cheer to the Quarter to Three Games podcast? Maybe. Maybe okay. not. Depends on what direction you take this. It's not 
I guess it's news of the week as far as when the last podcast was done, but I definitely, my attention was definitely grabbed when I saw the official all clear thrown out there for Sword of the Stars 2. Yeah, only in like a year after the game came out. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> I, I love Sword of the Stars 1. It is way up there on my favorites of all time. I had it pre-ordered all excited with everybody and, and, right. uh, yeah, so a year later. And of course, because of the season we're in, I'm now kind of like, well, I, I went from, having kind of a, a very sad eye on the forum post about it, too. Like, now I don't want to read it, and I'll because I'll get too excited about it, and I'll wait until I have time, and then I'll really soak it up. Now, uh, explain a bit about what sort of the stars is, and, and well, obviously a sci-fi game. Like, what kind of niche would you say it fits into? Uh, it's, it's sort, sort of stars is uh, one of those 4X space games, you know, where you conquer your, you take your planets, you do your research, you build new ships, and you expand, and, and all it's that like sort of thing. It's like super hardcore. It's like more X's than... <laughs> yeah, well, the first one in, in weird ways was, well, that's a whole other thing. But it was relatively streamlined for a 4X, but it's it's early days. User interface was um, a bit awesome. to be desired. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Actually, that's one of the... So as a side note, uh, and I think I think the uh, developers were, were a little known for this, and, and, and they have turned around a bit. But early on, keep in mind, this is a game that is... Up there. I mean, it is in my top games of all time. I mean, possibly top five, top three. I haven't really done the math on that one, but it's way up there. Early on, I hacked, had forum posts actually deleted from their forum as I was just trying to say, well, this is not working so well. It would be nice if this, or that, or the other. And the response was just, you're clearly not our market, and my posts were deleted. <laughs> they, they can be a prickly bunch, yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. So... Uh, well, uh, I can't help but think that this has probably been a humbling experience for them. Uh, apparently, Sword of the Stars 2, when it was released, whether it was the fault of, of Kerberos or Paradox, who knows. Uh, but it was in a, a wretched state, and for the last year or so, they've been plugging it away at it. And Rob, as you mentioned, I think Martin Serialist basically posted something to the effect of, hey, this latest patch is what we call the all-clear. Uh, and, and Rob, how would you explain what that means? What do they mean by the all-clear? I think that's them officially putting their stamp of, of approval that they are where they wanted to be with version 1.0, I guess, at retail. Right. So they're they're essentially trying to uh, wind back the clock and say, hey, no, really, guys, this is whatever, October of 2011, and, and here you go. Now, now, McMaster, you mentioned you thought it was pretty hardcore. Uh, I haven't seen Sword of the Stars 2. I haven't played Sword of the Stars 1 since it was released. Uh, do you really think it's a pretty hardcore game? No, that... It was a porn joke. It's he said 4x instead of tri- any. Never. Mind. Oh my god! It was totally <laughs> lost on <Jesus>. me. <laughs> when I get when I hear McMaster, when I hear like like XXX, well yeah, I would get a porn joke. When I hear 4x, I am such a strategy I game know. nerd that that does not even occur to me. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, and next McMaster, you're going to tell me that uh, when people talk about joysticks, that it that they get like phallic imagery. That doesn't even occur to me either. You make a joystick pun, and I'm like, I, I wouldn't understand that. A joystick is what you use for your flight sims. Uh, <laughs> McMaster, you're, you're so you're so vulgar, McMaster. <laughs> I didn't make any joystick references. It's like a, that's a crispy gamer thing. Leave me alone. Well, speaking of vulgarity, uh, my news of the week. 
uh, is it involves the word, the word vulgarity, uh, a little highfalutin, but in the original sense of the word. Uh, there, there's a writer on, on Eurogamer named, uh, I, I think his name is actually Robert Florence, but his, uh, his byline reads Rab Florence. I don't know if that's a typo or if he just goes by Rab the same way that McMaster wants to go by Van. I don't know what's up with that. Um, <laughs> But uh, Rab Florence on Eurogamer, he writes a column called Lost Humanity, where he writes about things like piracy and booth babes and the girlfriend mode and borderlands and, and these kind of like hot button topics. Uh, his, his latest column leads with a picture of Jeff Kiley uh, sitting between a table of Doritos and Mountain Dew on his left and a big old promotional cutout uh, marketing stand that you might see in a grocery store uh, for Halo 4 on his right. And Florence, the writer of the column, he calls the image tragic and vulgar. Uh, and, and he uses this uh, as, a, as a platform to launch into a tirade about the state of gaming journalism. Uh, in, in, this, in this column, he includes comments about journalists participating in a contest to tweet about a game, a specific game, in order to win a free PlayStation 3. Uh, and this took place at something called GMA. Now, if you're if you're like me and you don't know what GMA is, you can Google it. Does either of you know a what GMA really stands for, and b what you get when you Google GMA? Uh, gaming martial arts. <laughs> I like uh, your guess, Rob. <laughs> I'm, master- you know, I, I'm not gonna Google that. And when you when you frame something. <laughs> Like that, it just I, I listen. I know the setup, so I know what you. I know what you're about. See, no, in, in this case, not McMaster, because if you Google GMA, you get Good Morning America. Apparently, people who watch Good Morning America, they they run around. They say GMA this, GMA that. The same way we we might say RTS or RPG. I did not know this. Uh, really? GMA is is Good Morning America. Now that's not what Rab Florence was writing about. Apparently, GMAs is this thing called the Gaming Media Awards. Uh, this is an English thing. It's for English people, I think, who are part of the, the gaming uh-huh. media. Uh, and, and really, that's the, the, uh, the substance of his, of his comments, is basically that the gaming media uh, is an arm of, of PR, of public relations for video games, that's used primarily to sell games. Uh, and I think that's a good point that he raises. Uh, sure. It's a bit obvious to some of us, but still a good point, uh, and I think it's worth talking about. Yeah, no, I agree completely. Uh, that's why you're so popular, I think. I love selling games. You know what? <laughs> Rob, Rob, Rob Harvey, uh, go buy Guild Wars 2. I already have Guild Wars 2. Oh, see, it works. See, <laughs> see there you have it. I'm prophetic. Uh, fact, there are two copies in the household. I'm doing my part. See how good I am? See? Yeah. Uh, however, the thing I want to uh, take issue with, and kind of my news of the, the week point, uh is that as far as singling out that picture of Kylie, Jeff Kylie, uh, it, it's certainly funny, but I'm not sure how meaningful it is. Uh, he calls it tragic and vulgar, and I will give him vulgar in the original sense of the word as something that is everyday or, or common. Um, it, it is indeed not, not vulgar like McMaster thinking 4X refers to porn. Oh. <laughs> That's a different kind of vulgar. Um, oh. Awesome kind of vulgar. <laughs> that's the, and that's what most people mean when they hear vulgar. But I guess because Rab Florence is English, they probably have higher standards for how they use words or whatever. Uh, I think it is, it is indeed accurate to call this vulgar in the sense of it, it's common that a latter-day gaming journalist 
is part and parcel of that same interplay between Microsoft, the company that owns Halo, and PepsiCo, the company that owns uh, Mountain Dew and Doritos. Uh, so vulgar, I definitely give you that one, Rap Florence. However, the, the one that rubs me the wrong way is, is tragic. <laughs> Why is that tragic? That makes no sense. It's hardly even alarming. I wouldn't even say it's disappointing to see Jeff Kiley sitting up there with those products. Well, right. It's not like we're talking about, <laughs> about somebody that's like totally not. Yeah, no. Above shilling something. So, I mean. Well, right. Know. Exactly, my master. I mean, does, does, <laughs> does someone like Florence and, and his readers at Eurogamer, do they not really know what Kylie does, what Jeff Kylie <laughs> does? Do they not know how publications and broadcasters work these days? Um, because I get the impression, and I, I've met Jeff Kylie many times. He's a really uh, nice, unassuming, likable fellow. Uh, but I don't get the sure impression. Sure, he is, yeah. But I don't get the impression that he plays many games. Uh, instead, I think he's a guy who does a fine job helping PR companies get the word out. And that word is basically what I just talked Rob into doing, buy games. Uh, that's the word that he helps get out. And I think that's what people expect when they watch him. He is in sales. He is good at it. Uh, he, he's likable and, and, and perfectly inoffensive. Uh, and to be fair to him, there was a point, I think, when he was a, a bona fide games journalist, if any such thing exists, because he wrote these these uh, last hour stories at GameSpot where he would hang out at a studio right before they finished up a game and then sort of write an expose about the culture and the setting and talking to the people during those moments. Uh, and those were great. Those ran on GameSpot, and I encourage folks to look them up. But now Kylie, he's cashing in, and he's doing softball interviews and, and basically cheerleading for, for games publishers. Uh, and it's it's not that dirty a job since I think it's, it's so obvious what he's doing. I mean, um, Sony has Pactor. Sony, I think everybody has Factor McMaster. Uh, <laughs> no, no, just not Microsoft. <laughs> yeah. So, but the thing is, Pactor's an analyst. That's a whole other type of horror, I would say. Uh, but anyway, so my news of the week is that, yeah, Jeff Kiley, he's in the business of selling games. Uh, and it is indeed kind of funny to see him sitting there between the stuff that he's selling, waiting for the cameras to start rolling. Um, just like it's funny to watch news anchors preening before a broadcast starts. But, but I'm not sure that it's any sort of revelation or meaningful statement about the state of games journalism, which is really a laughable concept anyway, because if you want to hear the word from publishers about what new games are coming out, you have plenty of options. Furthermore, if you want to read articles by people who play games and write about the experience of playing games, they're out there. Uh, so if you want to complain about sites like Spike TV, which is Viacom, or IGN, which is Fox, or, or GameSpot, and that's CBS these days, if you want to complain about is them being... Uh, GameSpot, yeah, isn't that owned by CBS? Oh, I think. Is it? No. Yeah. Oh, wow. uh, so that's that's you know those are all part of the business that sells games, and if you want to complain about that, that's fine. But uh, welcome to modern media. So oh, yeah, I mean you just kind of have to pick what you read. I exactly. mean, if, if you're if you're interested in learning if a game has multiplayer and if it's real pretty and if people will like it and you should eat Doritos, then yes. I mean there's. <laughs> Uh, but, but otherwise, I mean, I draw the line, McMaster, at uh, at Mountain Dew. I don't. Who drinks Mountain Dew? That stuff is awful. Well, I drink the sugar kind, like the throwback. McMaster, are you on the dole with PepsiCo? Yes. What would you call that? That would be charity. Are you on the pay? Are you on the payroll at uh, PepsiCo over there, McMaster? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm with PepsiCo. <laughs> All right, so there's uh, there's my news of the week. So that leaves us now. Let's get to the meat of this week's podcast because, uh, like I said, it's going to be brutal. Uh, Jason Van McMaster. Actually, wait a minute, McMaster. So you chose 
Here we are, the height of the holiday season. I've got a list of, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six. I have seven runners up for my game of the week that I wanted to mention uh, before the one I actually chose. And you are choosing a game with the initials DF for your game of the week. Well, you know, I mean, I can talk about other games. I don't care. If, if it's that bad, just, I want to hear your runners-up list. Uh, that's what I want to hear. I, I want to know what all could possibly have not been picked this week. You mean before I go, or do you want to, so do you want me to skip ahead? You know, okay, real quick. I've got a list, too. I mean, I've got a lot of backlog. Yeah. I have a future log now. I mean, well, this is a, this, yeah, I've this played is a, every game, ever. This is a current log. These are the things that I'm playing that didn't make the cut. Yeah. Uh, for for the one, so uh, so yeah, I've I've got a long list here. I'll just run down the things that are not my game of the week. Ready, okay. McMaster? Yeah. Uh, and I, I'm playing and liking to various degrees all of these. Playing all these because I want to. Forza Horizon, Hotline Miami, Cargo Commander, Retro City Rampage, Guild Wars Two. You know, it has that Halloween stuff. And and this one is so close. You might be hearing more about it next uh, next week. But uh, there's a remake using the Unreal Three engine of Painkiller. Which has co-op too. You can I've now do the. Oh my god, that is so awesome! I'm just gonna hog heaven. Uh, and it, boy, Painkiller holds up even in the Unreal Three engine. And if you ever played the first Painkiller, you obviously at some point thought, "Oh, this would be so awesome in co-op." Uh, and indeed, it is. Uh, so yeah. none of those is my game of the week, McMaster. So I've got a list like that. I'm sure you've got a similar list. And yet, <laughs> a game that uses ASCII graphics, basically. Ah, uh, yep. <laughs> <laughs> I, can't, I can't help it. I don't know, man. It's a sickness. All right, so everyone's in suspense. McMaster, what is your game of the week? Well, I mean, I talked about it briefly last week, but I, I think at the time I hadn't really spent as much time with it as I have now. But uh, Dwarf Fortress is my official game of the week, not Towns or Nemoria or Game of Dwarves, which I'm not particularly enchanted with. Um, but, uh, yeah, Dwarf Fortress. All right, and uh, this is, is this your game of the week? Because I know there's a, a what's called a succession game going on in our, our message board. In our board. Uh, I feel so bad about that succession game, because when I did my first turn, I, I wasn't even remotely as up on what to do as I am now. So, I mean, some people did some good stuff. So I will say there have been some interesting choices. It's uh, It's pretty funny. So, so uh, to let folks know, a succession game, McMaster, correct me if I'm wrong, it's where you start the game, and then you hand the saved file to other people, and they write about basically how you screwed them by sucking when you started the game. <laughs> right, yeah, basically. <laughs> now, I mean, actually, I don't think I did too terribly bad. I just don't think I uh, did as much as I would have liked, and I, I probably didn't. I probably didn't set the initial rooms up as well as they could have been. But, uh, but yeah, a succession game, yeah, everybody plays a year and uh, passes it on and kind of writes about it. And it's, it's pretty, uh, they can be pretty funny. I mean, the, the Something Awful Boat Murdered one is, is fantastic. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, we're, we're playing the succession game. But I guess it's something, there's something just completely engrossing about Door Fortress. You can... There's so much to it, I guess, is, is really what it is. Like, every time I keep, like, or every time I think I've figured something out and I think, oh, well, I, I don't know how much more there is, there's a lot more. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you you build <laughs> you build fortresses. Uh, just just the things that happen in the game, I think, are, are, are part of the charm. Uh, for instance, uh, as I think I mentioned this to you last night, Tom, uh, I had um, one fortress where I was under siege, and 
uh, all hell broke loose, and a lot of the children in my fortress uh, went insane and uh, started attacking everyone, and I had a guy with a hammer down there beating them to death. That was... That was that's not right. Yeah, that's, that's, that's not... Uh, don't ever let that guy babysit your kids, basically. Oh, yeah. Tragic <laughs> and vulgar. <laughs> oh, my, yeah, it was rough. It was pretty rough. Like, the siege, uh, it got through my defenses, and, uh, yeah, it just... It, it went it went downhill really fast. Wait a minute. Uh, First of all, I have questions for you, McMaster. Okay. What, why did the kids go insane? What, what leads to that? Dwarf Fortress uh, has this mechanic where if people aren't happy, then they start losing their, uh, I guess they start losing their grip on sanity after a certain point. So if, uh, for instance, they see someone die, or if they're surrounded by things they don't like, or if they see something they don't like, if, they don't, if there's not enough like beds, if there's not enough chairs, if there's not enough tables, it's just like there's a huge list of things that you have to, you know, to keep in mind. So uh, what were you doing near the children that caused something to happen? Then? Yeah, McMaster. Oh, I mean, what's <laughs> we, were under, we were under siege, and so. Um, this like big band of goblins got into the base, and I managed to shut off a section of the base. But about a hundred guys got just slaughtered while uh, while trying to protect everything. And I guess uh, when the dwarf children lost their parents and pets, they weren't very happy. So they started going uh, batshit, and I had to put them down with a hammer. So <laughs> the great this makes. Magic- the great strategic place to make your stand is always in the nursery, right? <laughs> well, if it's gotten that far, you might as well just get the hammer. Well, Master, um, this reminds me of three things. Uh, there's a, a David Cronenberg movie called The Brood. I think it's Cronenberg about little killer children. I think you're supposed to. I think he fights them in the movie. I haven't actually seen it. Uh, it also reminds me of. Uh, I think in Children of the Corn, there's like little evil kids that you have to fight. But most of all, McMaster, it reminds me of. The Dark Jedi killing the younglings in one of the Star Wars prequels. Yeah, they didn't show enough of that for me, though. Right. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, <laughs> but no, it's, I, well, that's just that's just an example of how intensely crazy the Door Fortress is. Like, there's so many different things that can happen. Uh, I set up a uh, a ballista earlier because I was like, ah, they're not going to get me this time. So I set up this long hallway with a ballista, and I was like, I want to test it out right around the time a couple of dwarves' pets wandered into the hallway. <laughs> oh, God. You that is wanna... awful. McMaster, how do you set up your... Oh, no. <laughs> okay, don't uh, let that dwarf babysit your kids, and don't let McMaster test weaponry around your pets. Okay, no uh, I hate to see what would happen if there's a break-in at the McMaster household. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, I go off the reservation. Uh, uh, the... Uh, but there's just there's a lot to it. It's a, it's a very 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 complex dungeon create or dungeon uh, fortress and city simulation. Uh, and so there's just a lot to do. There's a lot. So when you're playing, is it like a city builder where you've got one city or dungeon or fortress or whatever that you're working on? Do you have yeah. multiple going? But it's like that. It's like a city builder where this is my city. I play this for twenty whatever hours and see what happens. 
Right, in a way. What you do first is, like, you generate a map, and you choose how old the world is. And it starts generating a map. It creates all the historical sites and legends. It puts in all sorts of stuff. Like, there's an XML viewer that you can use to read through these histories. Uh, one of our forum users uh, in one of the Dwarf Fortress threads was talking about his hobby for a while, was just letting it run overnight, making really bigger worlds, longer history worlds, and then looking through it for crazy stuff. Um, and, uh, yeah, so it, it creates these really intense, in-depth worlds. And uh, you can then search using a search criteria for sites that will match whatever you like. And uh, you kind of cho you choose an area, and then from there, you've there's like a, a few hundred or layers, I believe, or maybe less than that, of ground, maybe a hundred and something layers before you hit crazy. And uh, you can just kind of dig around and uh, set up all sorts of traps and everything. I mean, there's stuff like people have made uh, basic computers that can play tic-tac-toe and stuff like that using mine carts and magma. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. Now, uh, McMaster, you've, uh, you, I know that the, the city in the succession game was called... Kiss Paddle? Did I name that? Did I say that? Yeah. Yes, Kiss Paddled. Did you come up with that, or the name generate the game generates I, I, that? I ran. I, I randomed until I saw something that amused me, and Kiss Paddled took uh, took it. Yeah. What is the name of the city you're currently playing? Uh, you know, I forgot to random this one. Though I did. My last one was called Your Whipped, which was pretty good. And then, mm -hmm. except for everybody getting killed and having to put children down with a hammer. <laughs> uh, all right, well, I hope this next city goes better. For you. Oh yeah, yeah. No, it's uh, but yeah, the succession game itself is uh, is reason enough for me to be interested. But um, once you kind of get into it, it's it's like one of those uh, really advanced uh, like strategic board games, like the ones that like I don't even know if Bruce would play. No, no, Bruce would probably play it. I don't know if you'd play them. Yeah, there's nothing Bruce would not play. Right. Yeah, I, I'm I, a good I know place. What I was talking about. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> So, McMaster, uh, two things. Can you name your dwarves whatever yes. you want? Okay. Will you name a dwarf uh, Tom Chick, and then let me know next week what happens to it? Oh, sure. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'll do that. I'll make a new society tonight, and we'll see if uh, how Mr. Chick does. All right. And the other thing, uh, you mentioned you were a little disappointed in a game of dwarves. Tell us briefly about that and why you're disappointed in it. Well, I mean, maybe it's it's not even so much that there might not even be anything wrong with the game. It's, it's just uh, it didn't grab me. Uh, the, the controls are real sluggish feeling. Um, I don't like how the Z-axis works. Um, you, you have to dig uh, around, and there's possible tunnels and stuff that show up as question marks, but it doesn't show up as ground. It's just like all this giant black space. So you can't really it's it's hard sometimes to get a sense of perspective on where you're supposed to be going. Okay. Um, and it's just like a really kind of simplified mixture of Dwarf Fortress and Dungeon Keeper though. It's not really either. Sounds like you are now too hardcore for a game of dwarfs. I I might be, uh, okay. you know. Um I, I might be. Oh, one last thing, you can set your profession in Dwarf Fortress to like a ton of different things. What do you want your dwarf to do? Would you like to be a leader? Would you like to be a... No, 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 no. Uh, something, some, whatever is the easiest job. Like, is there a, is there a court jester? There's, um... Entertainer, bookkeeper. bard. Can I be a bookkeeper. bard? Bookkeeper. Bookkeeper, yes, that's what I want. Bookkeeper. 
Yeah, I'll make you mayor and bookkeeper. That, that, they don't really do much except for maybe haul stuff around on occasion and then go to the trading shop. Oh, I don't want to carry stuff, though. Oh. Well, I can turn that off. That's one of the <laughs> other things. You can totally turn off uh, like uh, all these skills, so it's really interesting. Yeah, I just want to be a bookkeeper, and uh, I, I don't, I won't get, you know, I don't, I don't want to do any heavy fighting or lifting. Uh, just I need right. to keep books. Yeah. If you have something exciting happen, though, one of the great things is you can have your dwarves make, like, artwork and engravings and stuff, and sometimes the engravings will show up and uh, mention awesome things that happened in your kingdom. So it might mention Tom Chick fighting a goblin, or could, of course, say Tom Chick cowered before a goblin before he was killed. But, I mean, what, about, yeah. what about Tom Chick maintained the books splendidly? Well, that, I mean, would that ever be part of a dwarf, like, triptych, for instance? Yeah, you know what? I'm gonna. I'll make your character. Um, he'll have like really high marks in comedian and conversationalist. <laughs> I like that. Good. Thank you, McMaster. Yes, yeah, was. All right. So, Dwarf Fortress, a game from uh, uh, 1987, is McMaster's <laughs> choice for a game of the week. It was started in 2002, so you're not that far off. Right. right I now. was close. If you round it to the nearest uh, 1987, it, it is 1987. Yes. So, if I can kind of summarize this, if I've been on the sidelines, really hoping for a newer version of or something that's not all the way down to ASCII level, I'm still waiting. Is what I'm hearing. Uh, there actually are a couple of games out there that are pretty cool that are closer. Nomoria on Desura is a Desura is like I don't know if you know it. It's like a game service. It's you can do betas and stuff and alphas on it. Um, yeah. But uh, Nomoria is a, a lot like Dwarf Fortress. Uh, Towns is kind of a weird mixture of Dwarf Fortress like mechanics, uh, and they're both pretty cool. I mean, I like those quite a bit. It's just game. Are- or not is not like it really. Those two also, and this is a, a deal breaker for me, are in beta, aren't they? Well, right, but they're in like I've said before, Minecraft style beta. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even with Minecraft though, I waited. Uh, it's sort of like like if you if folks want to play betas, that's fine. But but just as a disclaimer, both Memoria and Towns, at least to my mind, I sort of think of those yeah. as they're not out yet. Um, well, no, Towns is in a later beta. Nemoria is about midway through. Uh, they're both completely playable. I've played both of them. Uh, but, yeah, yeah, no, they're both in beta state, no doubt. Right. I agree. I try to stay away while it's in beta, unless it's a certain type of game that's beta that's just kind of window dressing. Right. right. Well, the thing is, like, and, and Rob, you and I are at this place. McMaster obviously isn't because he has time to play War <laughs> Fortress. But when I think of things that are in beta, my the first thing that pops into mind for me is, well, wait a minute, there are games that are finished, that are done, that I want to play. I'll wait. You know, I'm more than happy to forestall playing these beta games yeah. until they're done. Well, uh, no, no, I'm, I'm just totally waiting for your game of the week because I'm pretty sure I know what it is. and It's the other game I could have chose, I guess. And, it's, and I didn't play that when it was in beta either, really. <laughs> so... I guess before I make this next comment, uh, a game of the week has nothing to do with what you just very recently uh, put on the site, does it? Uh, yes. Yeah, if we want to spoil that my game of the week is Fallen Enchantress, Rob, you have outed me. Nice work. Oh, oh, well, I, I try to be diplomatic about it. So in connection with what you yes. were just saying, I have felt and I kind of like dropped my head in, 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 in sadness when two things. One, all clear that I just mentioned the Sword of the Stars, and right. then as you were just mentioning, Fallen Enchantress, both of those, I'm like, why now? I know, why couldn't I know. you guys have like come out of the, the, the cave as like, hey, this is this is ready to play in like 
January or something. See, I, I'm in the same place, Rob, and what's amazing to me about Fallen Enchantress and why it's my game of the week uh, is that I've had all these other things I want to play. You know, Forza Horizons came in, uh, the the new shooter from uh, from EA, the, that Medal of Honor, even though I don't expect it's mm. going to be good, I'm wanting to try that. Halo 4, like there's all these other things I'm wanting to play. I am loving Painkiller. Uh, good Lord, you know, Guild Wars 2, I still like and I'm doing the column, so I kind of have to play that, which is fine by me, but uh, this really cool thing called Cargo Commander, which comes out next week, which I can't wait for. Uh, Hotline at Miami is just freaking blowing my mind. It's so weird. Uh, Retro City Rampage is just a great little five-minute time killer. There's all these other things, but I just did nothing all weekend but plugged away at Fallen Enchantress. Uh, you know, we all have different thresholds for that whole, hey, there's a million games I want to play. Which one grabs me? But for me personally, Fallen Enchantress just got its hooks in so incredibly deep. Um, oh, yeah, I've been I've been watching that one for a while because I, I I kind of felt similar to what happened with the Sword of Stars. I've been waiting. I, I've, I've tinkered around a couple of betas just enough for me to get that level of, okay, I want to wait for this one. I want to yeah. wait for, like, the official because this one looks like it's going to be very enjoyable. Yeah. Well, so here, you know, the Sword of the Stars comparison is actually fair because, you know, when Elemental came out, it was a huge mess. And the fellow who made it, Brad Wardell, will be the first to admit that, good Lord, they screwed up. Uh, and, you know, I think of the state of Sword of the Stars 2 when it came out. You know, I, I know that Kerberos knew that it, it wasn't ready, and for whatever reason it came out, and it was awful, and it disillusioned a lot of people. It was the same with Elemental, and I was one of those people. I played Elemental. I have really respected some of the stuff Stardock has done in the past with Galactic Civilizations, Political Machine. The, they did a series called Entrepreneur, which I loved. Um, uh, Corporate Machine, I think was its alternate title. I loved all those games, and then Elemental came out, and just what a crushing disappointment, especially considering that Stardock had published uh, Demigod and Sword of the Stars, both of which I also love. Mm-hmm. Um, so here we are, uh, you know, a year or whatever later, and even though Fallen Enchantress, it has a, a different lead designer, it shows every sign of Derek Paxton making it, and he's the guy that did the Fall for, from Heaven mod for Civilization Four. you can still see this is the Elemental engine. There are a lot of the interface bits, and visually it looks a lot like Elemental, but just playing it, it's sort of like, okay, this is what Elemental should have been. You know, this is the game that Stardock should have released from the get-go. You know, this is what I wanted. This is where it should have been. Um, so... Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, and I don't want to undercut you too much about this, but another comparison with Sword of the Stars, and this is, I guess, another sub-news of the week, is, so on the one hand, you have what happened with with Elemental, and then on the other hand, you have, and in a separate parallel, you have what happened with Sword of the Stars Mm 2. And then the treatment of that, you have how Stardock, and, and Brad is handling it on one hand, which is, you know, if you purchased into it early on, then they've been very generous, you're part of the beta, uh, you, you'll you have your your retail copy eventually, uh, well actually now, and then the other thing that's really kind of really left, I, I kind of really did a double take recently when with sort of the stars, it hadn't even officially got its all clear yet, and then suddenly there was a mention of this new game that they want to do that's an alpha, and they are looking for who wants to support it, right? And it just really took me as a completely different way to take it, where I felt like. I don't it's like. I feel like on the one hand, I mean, for all other other things that go on with with discussions around um, Stardock, that they really they are trying to do as good by their customers as possible, and I really get that feeling. And then on the sort of the stars front, I kind of I'm hearing echoes that sound like 
the experience I had back with the deleted forum post and the you're not really our customer. I'm kind of like, it's like, it seems like there's some sort of disconnect and they still don't quite get the, it. The timing for their announcement of, I think it's called The Pit, sort of the stars of The Pit, and it's yes. a roguelike, the timing is just awful. And I, you, you know, as much as I want to respect them as game designers, someone needs to, to help Martin Serialis uh, communicate better or at least sort of uh, put a public face on the company a little better because, uh, cause, yeah, that, that was very odd timing um, and, and very unfortunate for them, too. I mean, I wish them all the luck in the world, but, yeah, that, that was a little odd. Um, and, and to, you know, to be fair, though, when you think about what Stardock is doing with, with Elemental, the way that Fallen Enchantress, even though they're presenting it as a separate game, you can think of it as the patch to Elemental. You know, if you had Elemental and you hated it, who's surprised, and you've been sitting on it all this time, now you've got a free version of Fallen Enchantress. Basically, it fixes it. And it's the same basic thing that Kerberos is doing with Sword of the Stars. You had it, it was terrible, it wasn't ready, you wait long enough, and now here's a patch that supposedly fixes it. Um, yeah. so, so in a way, yeah, they're doing the same thing, but boy, Kerberos does not miss an opportunity to stick their foot in their mouth. Yeah, uh, it's the perception that just comes off as right. completely different. Right, exactly. Um, and, you know, uh, both companies have their own share of bad press that I hate to hear mixed in with conversations about how good the games are. Um, and... Uh, I, I just, you know, regardless of what you think of Stardock, if you are unhappy about their, their, uh, the CEO situation with a sexual harassment case, that's fine, and don't get the game, and, and that's cool. I, I completely support people wanting to uh, make statements with what games they buy or don't buy. Um, but I, I will say, just at, Fallen Enchantress is so good. It is such a good turn-based game. Uh, in a way, that makes it all the more meaningful if you want to boycott Stardock for something that you're not playing Fallen Enchantress because you are missing out. Um, It'll really test if you are serious about your boycott. Exactly, exactly. It's like all those people who were uh, with Modern Warfare 2, I think it was, who announced when Activision said there would be no dedicated servers, they were like, well, we're not going to play this game, damn it. We're going to boycott it. And they put their names on lists, and then were the first people in line to play Modern Warfare 2. Uh, <laughs> so, but, uh, so, so as far as the game itself, Fallen Enchantress, so that, is, that is my game of the week. It just really grabbed me over the weekend, despite uh, so many things competing for my attention. I just sunk so deep into it. And I just want to uh, raise a few things that I really love about what they've done. Um, one of my favorite things, and what, something that was so missing from Elemental, is how the different factions in Fallen Enchantress, I think there are eight, ten, something like that, uh, how each one of them is a, is a, a gameplay expression of imaginative concepts. And anybody who ever saw what Derek Paxton did with Fall from Heaven knows how good he is at this. And they've applied that to what was otherwise a pretty flavorless fantasy world in Elemental. You know, you've got slavers, you've got hunters, you've got great stuff with magic users, you've got this faction that uses heroic adventurers, and they just have so many cool ways to express different gameplay for these different factions. Uh, I really like that a lot. Uh, and, and the post I wrote today was playing that slaver faction and how, how unique that felt for, for me. Uh, and just to raise something, they, they also have uh, a lot of strategy games will have random events where a random event pops up and maybe a city is starving or units have disease so they attack at minus one or some minor thing like that. One of the things that Fallen Enchantress does with 
these larger scale random events is it reserves a huge chunk of the map for something called Wildlands. And you don't know what you're going to get. Crazy stuff can be there. It's like an extra faction dumped into the game, separate from the computer players. But one of the random events I got playing the Slavers, uh, I'm sitting there playing and I'm conquering other cities and I'm running around. And when you, when you fight people as slavers and kill them, it increases the population of your city. The idea being that you bring slaves home and you grow your city. So I got a random event uh, announcing that, hey, the syndicate is here, we're an underworld organization, and uh, we're, we're coming to reclaim the world. It's like a cutscene popped up. And I didn't know who the syndicate was. I hadn't been following any of the backstory. I, that didn't mean anything to me. So I was like, okay, great. There's a, a syndicate, whatever that means. But lo and behold, this huge mass of, like, human troops just was running all over the map. It was like some crazy global thing with an enormous army of basically, like, thieves. Some of them were even, some of the, one of the unit types from the syndicate is uh, terrorists. So there are thieves and terrorists and bandits and underworld slavers and whatnot, and they're running around in this huge random event. And me, as a slaver, it was an enormous boon. It was like, hey, great, population for my cities. If I'd been playing another faction, that would have really sucked. Suddenly I've got to fight all these guys. But it was sort of like this this huge population influx rushing to my cities. And I could just sort of go out and pluck armies and kill them fairly easily and, and grow my cities that way. Um, so I, I love their take on random events. Uh, I love, this is always an iffy thing to do in a strategy game. Uh, in, in Alpha Centauri, uh, the, the game that Brian Reynolds designed for, uh, for, I think they were Firaxis at the time. Yeah, they were. Uh, in Alpha Centauri, you could make your own units. You would, uh, research something and you would get a component and you could build a certain kind of a tank or a skimmer or an airplane or an infantry unit and you could stick different qualities on them and change their stats. And that was a love it or hate it kind of feature. Uh, some players felt that it was a lot of busy work. They didn't want to mess with it. Uh, some players loved that degree of customization. Uh, I really like how they've done that with Fallen Enchantress, where as you research things, you can use the normal units that you unlock, but you can also go in and create a unit, and you can equip it with whatever weapons and armor you want. You can give it magic items. You can give it traits, including weaknesses that, that, make, it, that make it cheaper. Uh, I, I just love that feature in Fallen Enchantress. That is definitely one of the features when I was playing little bits of the beta here and there uh, that really I'm like, oh, I can't wait to see where this where this goes as they really flesh out everything. Because it was, it really, most games it's like, okay, when you upgrade, now you get a new, whatever, an Axeman or something. Mm-hmm. And, and this one, it seems so much more impressive. It sounds like, okay, I've got my favorite kind of guys, but now I've got, you know, this kind of shield or this kind of enchantment or something, and how do I want to build them? And you can rename them, and it just kind of, it, it gives you more of a sense of of participation in the world, and it was I really like that. And that's hugely effective, Rob. You're right. Like, like to, to to name and create your own units. And and the thing is, one of the really cool things they have done with something as mundane as the weapon is is a weapon isn't just a, an amount of damage. You know, an axe is not just one to six points of damage, uh, which is expressed as an attack rating of six. You know, that's the most damage you can do. Instead, weapons have special abilities. Like an axe, if you miss, has something called a backswing, where I think basically a unit gets a second chance to an at- to attack. So do you give your, your unit a, a dagger to give it a higher initiative and make it attack more often? Do you give it a straight-up sword? Do you go for this axe to give it the backswing attack? Like, there, there's so many 
abilities that just go beyond basic numbers crunching, uh, which I really like there. Uh, and another way that they express this kind of do-it-yourself level of uh, spe- specialization and customization is in the cities. Uh, when, it, when a city levels up, basically cities are like characters in an RPG with a skill tree. Uh, it's like like leveling up a class in Diablo or something. When a city reaches a certain level, you have to choose whether it's going to be a growth city, a military city, or a research city. And depending on which of those three choices you make, it unlocks completely different buildings you can put in the city, completely different uh, special, unique uh, abilities the city gets. Um, and furthermore, when it levels up, there are then three additional sub-branches, and I think three more after that. They can level up three times. Uh, so, I, you know, it, a city now just feels like it has just so much more personality. Like I said, it feels like a character in an RPG, uh, and I love that about my cities here. Um, also really happy with how consistently useful the different resources are. You know, in some games like Civilization or whatever, you can do so well, you're sitting on so much money, you're like, okay, whatever, I'm just going to throw this in rush production, I don't care. Uh, the, the different ways you can use the different resources in Fallen Enchantress, uh, whether it's money or, or mana or resources like, like metal, crystal, or something called influence in here that you use in diplomacy, I, I just love how there's a, a deep, gratifying sink for each of the resources in this game. I never feel like I have too much of something. I always feel like I need a little more of this to do this objective, to do this action, to get this unit, to tweak my civilization this way, to convince this other faction to give me this thing. Uh, I, I just love how the resources feel meaningful, and I constantly want more of them. Uh, I also really like, uh, finally, and I could go on in this vein for, for days. Uh, I'll be on the next Three Moves Ahead podcast with a bunch of, with Derek Paxton, I think, so tune oh. in for that. We'll be talking a lot more Fallen Enchantress. But one of the last things I want to mention here uh, is I really like how the maps, um, w- rather than just building a city wherever you want, and this was how civilization worked, uh, it's how a lot of forexes work, you can only build cities on certain nodes. And one of the difficult things to get used to is that there really aren't that many of these nodes. You cannot just do what's called, in civilization, city spamming. Um, And that can be a little hard to get used to at first, because you think, I want more cities, there's plenty of space here, why can't I put a city there? It won't let you. Basically, a random map has specific sites where it can support cities, and these will get gobbled up pretty quickly. So what then happens is something that Stardock did very well in Galactic Civilizations is that the border, uh, the, the war for borders, and there's this whole separate sub-game where you're, you're pushing your borders and you're grabbing territory, that's fought with these things called outposts. And it's a lot like the star bases in Galactic Civilization. You put an outpost somewhere, you make choices about how to upgrade it, uh, you put them near resources on the map that you want to harvest. Uh, so once the cities go, which is fairly quickly, there's this great outpost war that you're fighting with the other uh, the other factions that I really like. And then, of course, you have to uh, defend your outposts, because the map, by the way, is just alive with monsters and little lairs and, and, uh, the, and the random events, of course. Uh, so there you go. Um, yes, it's master. very much uh, reminiscent of Master of Magic to me. Uh, that's uh, that's the biggest thing I felt, of course. As far as scratching that whole crazy, generous toy box of fantasy, f- fantasy stuff, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. You know, even in the way too that it's like you know you you can research your magic, you can do spells of dominion, 
you know, all that jazz. Uh, but I, I, yeah, I really like it. I played some with it last night, and even though I kept getting murdered by spiders initially, uh-huh. uh, started uh, getting used to it. Uh, the Goliaths are pretty awesome. So here's the the almost XCOM type take on this. So when you start getting early murdered by spiders, and and this is something that I think was pretty neat. Instead of it being game over. It, you, your character is still there, but they have some weird ailment. You know, maybe they oh. lost an eye or something. <laughs> yeah. And that really, it's like I, I really don't want to start over, even if something horrendous happened, because it, it seems a really, it's sort of like Conquest of Elysium or something, where it just suddenly that unit is so much more interesting because yeah. it's what happened to them. Its its flaws are part of this story that it accrues as you play. And, you know, it reminds me, Rob, I, I think back to... Uh, isn't it one of the Rome Total War games where, like, you would have generals and they would have advantages and weaknesses? And Crusader King certainly does that as well. Uh, like, you have this character who's really important, but, oh, he's a pedophile, or, oh, he's insane, or, uh, you, you know, there are these these weird negative modifiers that they can build up. And this happens, by the way, in Fallen Enchantress when you when somebody is defeated. You know, you get your, your favorite hero has a broken leg or pneumonia or something. <laughs> uh, or they can't cast spells because they're forgetful now or something. It just, it's, it's, uh, yeah. yeah, the guy lose an ear, yeah, stuff like that. Uh-huh. <laughs> so on the monster layers as well, and this is um, you know, more of a personal preference, but I kind of felt like early on in Elemental, and this was, a, to me, a bit of a dis- disappointment. It felt more of a, a low fantasy world, I guess, a, a world that was pretty much just human and a scattering of monsters, maybe. Mm-hmm. Is have they really continued on? It seems like from the little bits I've been following it, is it really much more of a, a more fleshed out, really monsters are everywhere kind of fantasy, or is it still pretty much very human focused? I get the sense there's there's a lot of, if by more monsters you mean like crazy supernatural stuff, I mean there's plenty of that. Uh, one of the, I don't know if it's a drawback, it's, it's certainly a design choice that was made early on and that Derek Paxton hasn't quite been able to shake, but one of the things they did with Elemental, Elemental is all the playable factions are basically human. There's one kind of quote-unquote dwarf faction, but they're basically human, but they just make more money. Uh, so, so as far as what you're playing, you're almost always human-esque. Um, but the, the different layers, like McMaster mentioned the spiders, the Part of what was instrumental in this game I played as the Slavers was this race of uh, fire demons that rampaged all over the map. Um, you know, there's certainly big old dragons that'll that'll show up. Uh, so, so the, and, and a lot of the treasure you find too, they found some clever ways. Like you'll get potions that let you, even if you're not a summoning magic user, if that's not one of your heroes, you'll get potions that'll summon fire elementals or whatnot. Um, so I think they've done a good job building a lot of fantasticness into it. Uh, and that's also, Rob, too, I think where the the new magic system comes in. Uh, you will pretty much always, like one of the things that I feel is, is uh, one of the resources that I feel you always want is mana, because there's always something you can do with magic in terms of improving your cities. Uh, even if you've got a couple of magic users, if it's not one of your faction strengths, uh, magic is a huge part of how you... Uh, develop a city. You know, what enchantments are you going to put on this city? How many can you put on the city? Um, and certainly the way you capture these little magic nodes around the map, uh, they give you um, mana as well. They'll increase the abilities of your different magics. Uh, so, so even though it was a game that originally started out as very human-based, I still feel there's a lot of sort of magical, fantastical stuff happening on the map. Uh, yeah. 
Uh, all right, McMaster, what level are you in Fallen Enchantress, by the way? Uh, that's got to be a trick. <laughs> One right. of my characters is like level 10, maybe? I don't know. Ah, very good. Okay, that is a fair answer. Uh, <laughs> what, what faction did you start out with, McMaster, when you were getting ed, uh, ed by spiders? Uh, it starts with a Y. It's like the grayish-white one. Ethril, <laughs> yeah. Those were the uh, Nordic guys. Train Juggernauts. Yeah, they were uh they're they're cool and everything. I was I was getting really stomped by the slavers uh, on that first game. Um they just kind of spread out really fast. Slavers get great cheap armies. Uh they're that's one of their advantages, definitely. Uh yeah. so, All right, so that that's my game of the week is a uh, Fallen Enchantress. That leaves us, Rob, with you. I'm mm-hmm. guessing we know you didn't pick Guild Wars 2. Uh, and I'm guessing from the front page, the review you did for us, everybody knows that your game of the week is Spyro Giants. No, uh, 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 Skyrider. No, what the heck is it called? Skylander Giants? Skylanders. Where did I get Skyrider? Are, are you doing like your little sports thing where I've got, I don't know what this thing is? No, it's I really just... did. I totally did fumble on the name. I mean, I, it was originally a Spyro. Wasn't it originally a Spyro tie-in? Yeah, the first game was, and they and this did create, I think, a fair amount of uproar. It was Spyro, Skylander Spyro's Adventure, and a lot of people were disappointed because it really it took a much more cartoony look than it did, and Spyro wasn't really a main setting. And I guess there was a lot of hoopla about that. And then I think in Giants, there's just it's they've kind of completely moved on. Where it's it's about the Skylanders, and Spyro just happens to be one of them. And you may or may not even have them in the game. Do kids care about Spyro? Is that still like a relevant thing? Uh, I think the main people that care are those who are returning to the game, uh, who used to play the Spyro type games, and they they were looking for a Spyro sequel, and that's just not the direction that they were going with the the last one. Uh, they, were, they were just reinventing the, the entire genre, just using an existing IP, I guess. And it sort of sounds like the success of the series completely outgrew the IP. <laughs> it's like uh, this yeah. is way bigger than Spyro. Yeah, we, we, this cannot be contained by one little tiny purple dragon, right? Oh yeah, I, I think their their power right now has nothing whatsoever to do with Spyro. Spyro might as well not even be part of it right. at all. I, their IP now is Skylanders. It's not Spyro anything. So, so in a nutshell, uh, let's say someone's been living in a cave or has no kids or whatever. How would you just how would you explain what Skylanders is? So, in a nutshell, um, it it is a hybrid game in that it has physical characters, plastic characters that you can buy in uh, a game store or a toy store, and those characters are essentially little character storage things. I mean, it looks like a toy, but you put it down on this portal and it goes into the game, and on that it saves your information for the character, uh, which would include things like their level, what abilities you bought for them, how much gold they have, their experience, etc. It's it's a character save for that particular character. Mm-hmm. And how that works is in the general game, the, the game isn't... It's... To be honest, it's really a lot like a... Uh, like a, some sort of weird mixing of, uh, like, Dark Spore, which was that kind of Diablo-like version of Spore, where you collected monster parts, but each monster had different abilities, and you selected your team, and you went to the planet. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like that, or Diablo, really. It's very, very similar. It's kind of action, uh, RPG, level up your characters type thing, with a lot of the 
cooperative feel that I think is only really found in something like one of the uh, Lego games, I guess. Is it, uh, is this, do you move in a specific sequence through a world? Is there any kind of storytelling? Is it looser than that, where you just drop in a character and go someplace? There is storytelling, but I don't know that really anybody is there for the story. I mean, certainly with the newer one, they seem to have gone a lot more with narrating it through, well, frankly, I think, uh, more production value in the cutscenes. But I think really what that does is that just gives more, um, eye candy or uh, or screen time to a particular character that might make somebody feel either one, more attached to it, or two, make them want to go have it or buy it. Mm-hmm. Um, so the story really it doesn't matter. The first one, I think, was was more in the direction of it was trying to, it's more of a campaign, and I was debating about re- responding to a gentleman who had posted today about talking about how he just finished the game with his uh, with his son, and then he was thinking about, uh, you know, if he wanted, if he'd play it through, and he was kind of frustrated because it's only a, a two-player game, not a three-player game. And I was kind of thinking, as I think about responding to that, and that, but it's not really, it's not something you play through. I mean, right. that's sort of like talking about Diablo. It's like, well, I played through Diablo, and and you know, I hit level 30, killed off Diablo, and I was done. It's like, it, it's, it's just a setting. It's just a right. A setting, and then you have little maybe you'll go and do certain areas over and over again because you want to get a particular boss, a particular loot, or whatever. It's in this game, it is so um, modular that you know you you have all kinds of. Yes, you can do a story that opens up new levels, uh, but you know there's there's the uh, challenges which are little mini levels. Uh, there's the arenas which is like a kind of a a horde mode kind of thing? Yeah, I was thinking about the analogy of horde mode, but yeah, it's sort of like that. It's kind of like you, yeah, you basically have to stand in a place with certain variable rules and then just try to survive, and you can't really... And that's another big thing, is the game, you have the portal, and you put your character on the portal. When your character's on the portal, it's now in the game. When you mm-hmm. take it off the portal, it's out of the game, and it, it prompts you to put something else on there. So usually you have this big dynamic of, of, okay, I've got my guy in there, and, oh, he's close to death, so you want to pull him off. So that, <laughs> I, I mean, literally, it becomes a very frantic, and it's, as I, I said in the review, it's a very tactile thing that you don't really get from another game. And you, right. you, you are physically, with <laughs> with some real fear, reaching out and grabbing a figure and pulling it off, because you know that you hear the little heartbeat in the, sound, in the background, you know that that character's about to get KO'd, because if they're KO'd, they're out for that level. It's, you can't bring them back. Um, and if you pull them off, then you just kind of wait for a safe place where there happens to be some food on the ground or you can buy some healing, and then you put them back and you can bring them back so that they're now in a safe spot. So so, so as, a, as a gamer, and we'll talk about it in a minute as, as, uh, as a parent, uh, as a gamer, I hear you talking about it and, and comparing it to Dark Spore and Diablo 3, and I wonder... Uh, what sort of meat is there in terms of the loot chase and skilling up the different units, you know, advan- uh, character advancement? Um, what on those two fronts, because those are two of the things that really appeal to me in an action RPG, uh, how much meat is there in Skylanders? Now, for a loot chase, it's pretty minimal because the only loot, so to speak, you're chasing is gold, which lets you... Gold is a major resource, and they've been so much better in this one in that making you have all these choices about where to spend your gold. Um, it used to be you just bought a, a handful of skills and you were done, but now it's now it's like, well, shoot, do I want to 
do I want to buy that healing potion that works on all my characters so I can heal up this other guy that's wounded? Do I want to unlock a new arena map? Do I want to unlock a new challenge? Do I, I mean, there's just all kinds of things you can do with the gold. It's very, uh, buy a new Sky Stone, because there's a little mini-game that they put in there to replace their not-so-enjoyable mini-game from last time, which is basically just a glorified memory clone. Uh, now it's kind of a, a watered-down sort of... Uh, it's like I had Judgment, in a way, that PlayStation card game, I guess. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, it's sort of like that. It's not nearly as compl- complicated, but certainly more enjoyable. There's, there's that. You can buy little stones everywhere. So I guess that's your loot chase. Or if you're a Team Fortress 2 guy, there's a hat chase where you can get all kinds of goofy little hats. And yes, they show up on your character. So you might have a little spiral running around with bunny ears or a birthday <laughs> balloon hat or it's just all jester cap crazy stuff. And it just comes silly. And they each have their own statistics. So you end up at a war with like, do I want to look goofy or do I want, you know, a particular stat? And um, there's some of that. Uh, so I would, but I, as a gamer, I'd say the loot, Chase isn't really what's there because it's not like you're going to find a super sword or whatever and give it to a guy. It's not the way it works. Okay. But on the other side, and I never would have seen this, you know, as we'll get into later, I, I probably wouldn't have looked at it. But now that I have looked at it, I do enjoy it as an adult and somebody that I think is a fairly hardcore gamer. I really don't, with this new one, don't have the same reservations. The last one, the problem was it was just flat out too easy. I think they just mm-hmm. played it too close to the vest and it was very targeted to a younger age group and it just it it lost so much of its potential because there was no challenge to it whereas the new one they brought in difficulty settings which really excuse me really really help out make to make the game uh, enjoyable for uh, those that are not kids but the real meat i think is the characters and because the difficulty can be raised up that's what makes it very enjoyable because each character not as much as Diablo, because Diablo you have huge character trees with all kinds of abilities, but in in Skylanders you have, say, three core abilities. And then those three core abilities you can upgrade in different ways as you level up. So, And, and they do that mostly because you only have so many buttons on the controller to play with. But mm-hmm. say you start off with a basic fireball, and then you can, you know, maybe you upgrade it so you get a, a triple shot fireball, or maybe a, a big fireball that bounces or whatever. And, and so each of these characters have this what I referred to in the review is an ability bundle. Not unlike uh, character class in games, or not unlike, say, unlo- you know, choosing to open up a League of Legends character where you're basically grabbing a new s- set of abilities. And because of the difficulty, it really becomes interesting, and you start thinking of, of characters in, in, in terms of like, okay, I need an escapist-type character. I need a you know, range-type character. Looking for a, a tanky-type character that can close... Uh, that sort of thing, and it becomes enjoyable to play and replay the game with different characters because they all play so differently from each other mm-hmm. that it really it becomes a much more entertaining game, even as an adult. I mean, yes, it has this kind of cutesy look to it, but having all these different ways to... And here's another thing that they were much better with, is they changed the enemies so that instead of just kind of standing there, the enemies now have a, a more... They're more have more characteristic type attacks. You know, one might stand, you know, in front of you and do a big slow swing with a two-handed weapon and it kind of telegraphs what it's going to do and you know you've got to get out of the way. Or, you know, the, the archers might kind of run away from you and then shoot up into the air and then it creates the little artillery things on the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, or it, 
uh, you know, maybe they have a, a shield that pops up and they kind of run at you and you can't hurt them while that shield's up. So you got to wait till it exhausts and then hit them, that sort of thing. And it's that and combined with your set of abilities that you chose with your different characters, it really works with it. Um, now, what, what are these eponymous giants? Are these character classes that you can play? Yes. So giants are just like the other characters are another type of character that they release. That's the main push of the game. And the stuff that I was just talking about with all the characters having all you know their, their ability bundles, mm-hmm. I kind of feel that the giants are weaker on that. Um, from what I, I saw, they seemed, I don't know, that they weren't as creative or they just were just taking the idea that it was just beef and they just would hit hard, would walk over things, and could take a lot of hits. And there didn't seem to be as much, um, and they move really much slower than the other ones, so there doesn't seem to be nearly the dynamic elements that the different abilities of the normal Skylanders have. That's how I saw it. Now, there's obviously other elements, but <laughs> but for me, they were, they were interesting in that I would be choosing a tank, but of the two that I was playing, I didn't really feel that they had um, a very serious difference, whereas the other Skylanders, you can, you knew right away. It's like, okay, this guy's good at doing this, this guy's good at doing that, you know, and this, you know, this guy's in trouble here, and this guy's not in trouble within the same situation, whereas the giant's just like, okay, walk in there, pound guys, and, you know, you know, or use them to, to drag an island in, or, or pick up a boulder, or whatever that they, you want to do for certain map access. Now, when you say of the two I, you were playing, uh, is this like a Diablo thing where you're basically going to have one character that you're mainly leveling up? Are you constantly sampling different ones as you take them off the portal and put a new one on? Uh, do you get heavily invested in just one, or is it a game that encourages you to just use a whole mess of different ones? It, it does. It both encourages you to use a mess, and it also encourages you to level them up. Um, it encourages you to level them up because obviously they, they become stronger, you get more abilities, uh, you can go up to level 15 with each character. They seem to have really slowed down the leveling in this one, whereas the first game, that was another thing that you leveled way too fast. So it, it, it took like a heartbeat to basically have somebody at maximum, whereas this time you really got to decide, okay, do I want to keep leveling this guy up or not, um, which matters. Now on the flip side, what I would like them to do, I don't know if they will ever go this direction because I see what they're doing from a uh, marketing standpoint, but essentially, your life bar as you play the game is equal to the number of characters you own. Whoa! <laughs> Wait a minute. Yes, that's, uh, and I'm okay with that if they want to put that as you know a particular mode or be an option or something. Um, but as I was saying before, with the frantic, you got to reach to grab the character before he gets knocked out. Well, if you own five characters and you're playing them, and right, right. it gets knocked out, well, you've only got four left. And well, if you own them all, and they're pushing, you know, in the neighborhood of 50 or more plus variants right now. I mean, that's a very serious life bar. If you, and it means you can just keep going forever. And right, and that's one of the ways I try to play it is I try to say, okay, I'm, I can only use these that I put in front of me, and it's kind of like a self-imposed thing. I would really, I mean, if there was like last time, my one thing that I wanted was a difficulty setting, which mm-hmm. I have now, and I'm very, very grateful. It really, to me, it's it's taken the game out of a, you know, enjoyable family game to an enjoyable game. Mm-hmm. Um, what I'd really like them to do next time, maybe, aside for the Series 1, 2, maybe 3 thing, but next time I would really like there to be an option where, say, on medium difficulty or hard difficulty, you only can have three guys or five guys, right. And, right. and when you summon them in, it shows you maybe their life bar at the top sort of thing, and, and that's it. And so you kind of know, okay, I only have this much to play with instead of constantly swapping out. And, of course, 
if somebody's a kid and they're playing it, it may be a lot harder for them, and they'll just have a whole tray of guys in front of them, and so be it. You know, but I would like to see that other option because when I play it, I've, I mean, I already play that way. That's that's always the way I kind of force myself. I kind of choose between three and six most of the time, and that really ups the enjoyability enjoyability for me because I really have to make my decisions of like, okay, what composition do I want my team to have, mm-hmm. kind of thing. But I see why they went the other way. I mean, it's. It, now, when, when someone buys uh, uh, Skylander Giants, they want to sit down and play it. You buy it for the you know the 360, the PS3, the Wii, whichever platform you want. I presume the base game comes with the portal, right? Uh, and how then do you get figures? The base game includes three figures that you can see behind the plastic. Is that how it works? You pick which three you're buying with the game? Okay, so uh, a couple of things there. Um, the, the thing, Skylanders is basically on every single platform you can dream of. Um, you listed the big three there. It's coming out for the Wii U in the near future. Um, you can play it in different forms on PC. There's even an iOS thing showing wait, up. Wait, wait, it's on the PC? It was last time, and now I'm not sure how they're doing Holy it. Holy cats. Yeah, you can certainly, they, the cards that come with it, you can log it in, and it's sort of you go to their little website, and you play a different kind of Skylander game. Um, it's on the 3DS, which here's a big asterisk there. If you play it on um, the 3DS, it's actually a completely different kind of game. It's more like a... A platform game. It's it's not at all the Diablo type game that I'm describing. So if does it use the figures? Yes, it has the portal. It uses the figures, and actually the characters start to have completely different abilities. I played the first one on 3DS as well, and I didn't really enjoy it. It just didn't work for me. But I'm not much of a platformer. I'm, you know, I think as we discussed last in our last podcast, and I'm if if there's no combat, I'm I'm done. <laughs> So, I guess I just, you know, apparently want to be in the nursery hitting people with hammers. <laughs> a little so, conflict is, uh, goes a long way in a video game, I understand. Yes. Yeah, so so it's available on all kinds of platforms. Um, as far as how it's sold, though, um, you do have a choice this time. If you were to be looking to buy it, you could buy it either the Portal Owner's Pack, which assumes you had one of the previous games, and you get just the game and just one giant, uh, the Tree Rex giant. Uh, if you uh, want, you can buy the starter kit, which comes with a portal, the game, the Tree Rex uh, Giant, and then also the Jetback guy and a uh, Series 2 version of Cinder. Uh, Series 2 is essentially a character that was in the first game, mm-hmm. um, but has been uh, added a few more features to them. Uh, namely, they get a, a special level 15 WoW POW ability, which ranges anywhere from kind of nifty to pretty... Uh, so-so, uh, from what I can tell from from reading some spoilers online, uh, and they also have the ability to essentially respec almost at will. Uh, you can just kind of go to the, the special spec person and say, "Hey, I want to go to this t- this tree now," and boom, you you can just flip back and forth instead of say resetting your character, which that's an option. You can always reset them. Essentially, they go back to the way they were when you bought them, mm-hmm. and uh, that's usually the way you have to respec. So it saves you uh, with that. And if there's a whole the challenges is a whole other uh, issue. But and these so, are the three that come with every uh, starter. Pack. With every starter, okay. which also kind of, to me, I already had the game. We already have a fair amount of content, and to me it seemed dead obvious you buy the starter. Um, you get a second portal, which I guess in case the first one fails, unless you have a Wii. This is worth mentioning. Uh, the Wii on the first one, and I think the PlayStation as well, was not wired. It was battery-powered. And the batteries drain very fast, so you end up spending a lot of extra money over time on the batteries. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas the new ones are 
uh, you, you plug them into the USB spot. And for some reason, I, maybe there's some magic that I hadn't discovered, but the Wii one is also still frustrating because even though now it's uh, cabled portal, it seems to only turn off if your uh, Wiimote goes to sleep. But if you just turn off the console, it's still on unless you <laughs> unplug the device, nice. which is kind of frustrating, especially since on the Wii, it, they don't have a USB on the front, so you have to, depending on your particular setup at home, it's kind of a, a pain to, to take the thing apart and then pull out the... But anyway, so that's worth mentioning. Uh, but it seems to me obvious, you get the starter, you get the portal, you get two extra characters, which, by the way, there's not really an easy way to purchase those other characters at this time. Ah. Uh, there will be later, but it's just the way that they're doing releases like toys. You know, there's wave one, there's wave two. Two is supposed to hit um, supposedly uh, Black Friday. Um, but with, yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I wonder why. Uh, although so there is some wave two out right now because Toys R Us got a bit exclusive, and oh my god, is there a lot of exclusives in this game? This is a serious. If you've got a problem with Pokemon, catch them all. Stay away. <laughs> now, roughly, how many uh, figures are there at this point? Like like twenty, thirty, fifty? So I think there were thirty-two for the original game plus variations. And when I say variations, it's kind of like. Uh, it would be something that's just colored differently. They don't really do anything different in the game. They just, right. you know, one of them might be just not painted, and that's supposedly special. Or, you know, it might be painted, you know, blue instead of its normal color or whatever. Um, but anyway, there's essentially, I think, 32 from the old game. Um, there are eight new regular Skylanders and then eight new Giants. So you end up sitting right oh. around 50 mark for the number of characters that are out there. Wait, and do you um, buy characters singly? Yes, so you can, well, yes, you can buy them either by themselves, depending on what's been released, um, or you can buy them, there's sometimes there's triple packs. Uh, the triple packs this time around tend to look something like uh, two of the Series 2 versions, so that means a character that was in the first game, but this is their newer version of it, and a one new character. Uh, so that becomes not as, an, not as appetizing a buy for somebody who was in the first game. Uh, but if you're new to the to the game, then then it starts to look good. But you can buy them by themselves. The giants are all by themselves as well. And this, there's no, I know the term starter is thrown in there. There's no like starter booster of you know days of yore with you know Magic the Gathering or something. Everything is clear as day right there in front of you. They're clear plastic bubbled things. You can pick right. them. The only trouble you're going to have is fighting with the scalpers. Just like it seems like every release nowadays, um, especially since there was a killing to be made off scalping and probably a, a great many uh, unhappy children last year because they, I think Activision really was playing it safe last year and they realized after the fact how big of a hit this was going to be. And uh, Is there any just, sign of that sort of shortage this year? Yes and no. Um, I knew that I was going to have to hunt down as a particular reward that I had talked about uh, earlier for a particular guy. Uh, I knew I was going to have to hunt down the Glow in the Dark Cinder, which is only from Walmart. So uh, when I was reading online right around 11 o'clock that night, the people that were coming back home from Walmarts uh, on the East Coast, it became clear that the Walmarts did not get very much stock, You know, maybe anywhere from two to five of each item. And I became worried. It's like, okay, I don't want to deal with the coming up empty on this so I was a bit grumpy with having to throw on the clothes and go back out of the house and drive over to Walmart and then stand in line with the other people who are standing in line and sure enough by the time I got up there they were almost out of product 
Were people needed. there specifically for the glow in the dark cinder, or they were there just for any for, for any and all uh, bits and pieces of Skylanders? Both. Okay. Uh, there were there were parents in front of me that were pretty much buying one of everything. Um, the gentleman behind me, um, I was listening to them talk back and forth because I, I became clear what they were there for. Because one of them turned to the other one and it says, you know, <laughs> maybe I'll actually play the game this year. And he's like, nah. And right. so it was just it was maddening because I, I knew I knew exactly what was going to be happening. And, and sure enough, I ended up seeing the same guy the next morning at Toys R Us because there was a big sale, buy one, get one 40% off. And it was a... Uh, it was a mad storm. We we have some pictures of it, but uh, was sure that enough, guy's name Jason Van McMaster? I could have been. <laughs> there was some hammers. It was going in the direction of children, <laughs> and the cart was full. I don't know. <laughs> uh, now, do, do you have someone? Uh, so I understand. I do understand that there is uh, someone at the house more qualified to tell us about Skylanders than you, Rob. I mean, you're. You're like us, an adult hardcore gamer. You m- might not appreciate the game in all of its glory. Can we uh, get Adam's review? Why, yes, I did share the review uh, credit and the work. Uh, he knows that this was a work project. We talked about it ahead of time, that it would be a work project. We'd agree. I have a very cute video that we took as, as uh, we were talking about from the very beginning. Um, By the but- way, real quick, does he know that he's getting a, 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 a glow-in-the-dark cinder? Is that like a secret thing? No, he now knows of the glow in the dark cinder, and, and okay. he knows that uh, that as, as he continues to work with me on this, plus you know he he'll 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 burn his, he'll earn his way into some pretty good graces. Although his birthday was just a few weeks ago, and timing on this couldn't have been any worse. <laughs> <laughs> so we had to talk about it, and he's he's he knows he has to earn some of this because I mean he's been showered in gifts since uh, October third, and it's just not we would have preferred to keep some of this. On the back burner, and a lot of it is is hidden away in closets, and I'm hoping he ah. kind of forgets about it until time. Right, right. Um, <laughs> so then you have Skylanders in the house who have not been liberated yet. Oh, we have a great many Skylanders in the house that have not been liberated. I mean, I really wanted to pull all of them out for that for the picture that ended up being the one uh, for the review, uh, but in the end, I just kind of want to keep them sequestered away so that right, you know, right. at some point. It'll you know slowly start to show up, and it will be a, a reward for you know doing well in, in school or you know saving up his money or that sort of. No, you gotta you gotta bribe kids. I understand. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll, yeah. we'll bring him out. Where is it? Can he tell okay. us? I, I'm curious if he has a review of Skylander Giants that maybe he can give us. Oh well, we shall see. So if you'll uh, hang on one moment, I shall go and uh, I'll also be switching the speaker arrangement around, and I'll be right, right back. McMaster, what level are you in Skylander Giants? Uh... I've seen it at the store. <clears throat> Does that count? As that, that's, that's the first step in leveling up, McMaster, yes. McMaster, when you shoot fireballs, do you shoot one, or do you shoot a spread of three of them? Uh, it kind of depends. Uh, <laughs> if I've had enough power-ups, sometimes they bounce, and sometimes it's three. It, you know, it just kind of comes So what you're saying is you can respec at will? Yes. Yeah, I'm not able to do that myself. Uh, McMaster, when we play Skylander, I need you to be. Uh, I need you to wear the bunny ears. Uh, I always do. <laughs> and take the pink monster. I always take the pink monster. Wait, that's... Oh, God, speaking of monsters, I heard that. Oh, my golly. Is that Adam? Yes. Hi, Adam. My name is Tom. I'm here with my friend Jason. Uh, I know. I know. We want you to tell us about Skylanders. I have a question for you, Adam. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. 
what if I came over to your house and you and me were going to hang out and you were going to show me Skylanders? Who Hi. who could I play with? You could play with well, you could play with my bouncer if you want, but we have but I haven't gave my money to Rob yet because that's one of the ones that we have to. Uh, oh, you haven't earned us. Okay, well, Adam, tell us about, did you say Bouncer? Tell us about him. What is he? Um, he shoots, um, like these, he shoots like a fake gun, but the fake gun is like his thumb. Like, mm-hmm. the, the thumb is like a big, little. So are you holding your hands like you, you're making a gun with your hand? Because that's what it looks like with your thumb sticking up and your forefinger sticking out? Is that how he looks? Yeah. And, um,. And it shoots little balls, and they bounce. Oh, that's why he's bouncer. That makes perfect sense, Adam. Yes. Uh, now, Adam, I've heard that when you get Skylanders, you get something called a tree rex. Is that correct? I know that. I know him. I know him. <laughs> what is what is that? Is that a dinosaur or is that a tree? He's a like he's he's kind of like a tree, but over he's a tree guy. Okay. What does he do? He he can he has this the, the he has this thing that is called a I uh photosynthesis. What is it again? You're a almost... photosynthesis cannon. A photosynthesis. Well, no, I total, Adam, I totally could understand what you were saying. A photosynthesis cannon sounds awesome. And Adam, by the way, I'm very impressed you said that word. I have trouble with that. I don't even think that my friend Jason here could say that word. Well done. I don't know what it is. <laughs> uh, Adam, um, can you tell me, I want to ask you two things. What is the very, very, very best thing about Skylanders? But before you answer that, I'm also curious, what is the very, very, very worst thing about Skylanders? Well, the worst thing in Spiral Adventures... The chaos level in Spyro Adventures is very hard, but Rob beat it for me, so that's okay. Sometimes it helps if you have someone like Rob to help you. Is chaos the, the main bad guy of the yeah, game? Yeah, he's the main bad guy. Oh, I thought that was like a place and not a person. All right, but you beat him, though. You you got Rob to help you, and he's been defeated, right? Yeah. Congratulations. Well, he wasn't dead, but he, he was sent to Earth. Now, so Adam, then what is the very, very best thing about Skylanders? And that's probably a difficult question, but if you could pick one thing that's the very, very, very best thing about Skylanders, what would you pick? Um, well, Tree Rex is the bestest guy. <laughs> really? He's your favorite? Yeah. Okay. That seems well, that you, you, there's a lot of certainty there. Okay. I like all of the Skylanders. How does he attack when, when Tree Rex attacks? Well, he could he well there's the well the spikes comes up and he can smash the that the little bad guys. Mm-hmm. So for those at home, there's a very animated description of this. <laughs> he raises his arm up and then he smashes the desk. Apparently, he goes like. <laughs> there so, so Adam, I have another question. If I want to go out and get Skylanders, do I have to pay ten dollars, a hundred dollars, or a thousand dollars? I think a hundred. What? What? I don't know. I think that you you got it about right, Adam. You're actually really close, but yeah. So, Adam, I have one more question for you. What if Tree Rex got in a fight with Optimus Prime? Who would win? I think 
well, you blew my mind, Adam. That was very, very nicely played, my friend. <laughs> yes, guess what? Prime what? is battle. Oh. Prime no, is a a battle robot, and T-Rex is Captain Tree. That's a very that's, good point. That's a good point. Oh, yeah, we have our review, right? Because we've been ah, right, yeah. the review that you've been working on so much. Yeah. So I just want to hear this, Adam. So, yes, let me hear this. Go ahead. Introductory sentence. I know a lot about Skylanders. Skylanders look frozen on the outside, but in the inside, they look alive. But there's a switch on this level with this puppy and... And if you turn it off, this guy in the sky says, "God, go to sleep." And all these pu- and, and some of, of the houses turn to walls, and some of them turn to pictures that you can go through. And the puppets um, lay down on the ground, and and they just lay down on the ground. If if you turn it on, they say, "Ooh, daddy, eat well." <laughs> And then, and then the puppets just come back up and, and dance around. Conclusion seconds. Skylanders are cool. <laughs> Adam, you, you, you made Skylanders, you gave it a very fever dream quality. Uh, so, Guy, remember part of our review? You have to give it a score, right? Yeah. So, would you say it's kind of... Eh, not so good kind of thumbs down. Would you say, eh, kind of middle thumbs up? Would you say, pretty good, one thumbs up? Or would you give it two thumbs up? Oh, yeah! What would you give it? Oh, yeah! Hey, this is great! Oh, yeah! Adam, I think on a scale of seven to nine, you just gave it a ten. Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> that side the seven to nine scale. That is pretty amazing, kiddo. Uh, and I have one more question for Adam. Adam, pretend that you have two games in front of you. One of them is called Unholy War. The other one is called Star Control. I I want you to pick one of those. I'm not going to tell you about them. It's a secret. Based on the two names, you have to pick one of those games that you would play. What do you pick? Uh, What did you say? I forgot. So Unholy War or Star Control. Star Control. How do you play a um, star control? You fly a spaceship around, oh. and you shoot at other spaceships, and every spaceship gets a special ability. For instance, one spaceship has these really pretty girls in it, and they make the <laughs> other spaceship, want the people in the other spaceship want to leave their spaceship and climb in with the pretty girls. <laughs> uh, do you have another spaceship that uh, it launches little fighters? Uh, but that's nothing special. What are the other ones in Star Control, McMaster? Help me out. I, I don't the Spathy. What did the Spathy do? You have one spaceship that's like a crazy little bug that can fly around like a fly. Um, so uh, Star Control, uh, I, I think you made the right pick, Adam. Who makes Star Control, though? Uh, toys for Bob. It's who? Toys for Bob and Activision. <laughs> Very good. It's important that you credit the companies at the end of a review. Like, um, Skylanders is made from Activision and Toys for Bob and Rob. Remember Tom? I remember Tom, yes. No, I'm talking to Tom. Oh, I'm sorry, yes. Yeah, yeah, Rob, this is between me and Adam. Excuse me. I'll just step out. Uh, You don't need me at this point. Uh, Yes, yes, Adam, do I remember what? Remember when you gave the review to Rob? I do remember, yes. He was very helpful. And you yeah, were too, by the way. Talked with, and he talked to one of the uh, active 
vitiate the ballot, right? We, we, Adam, you and me and Rob had official help. Absolutely. Yes. Wait, did, were you the first one to play it? I was what? the first one, actually. I was the first one to play the whole you the play. Probably were the first boy in our area to play it. <laughs> Adam, uh, I just want to say, Adam, welcome to the community of professional video game reviewers. John Hardy better than me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you very much, Adam. And uh, by the way, Adam, uh, what are you going to be on Halloween? A tree. Optimus Prime. Ah, uh, <laughs> right. That works too. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, uh, Adam, thank you so much, and uh, Rob, thank you as well. Uh, it was great to talk some uh, Skylanders. Uh, I need to talk to you about something. Oh, by the way, Adam, do, come here, Adam, real quick. I want to tell you something. So, come here, Adam. This is like a secret between you and me. He's moved his ear over to the speaker. He's leaning over the table. Okay, Adam, tell Rob to play Guild Wars 2. He already played Guild Wars 2. Oh, no, no. What I meant to say was tell him to play more Guild Wars 2. He said, need to play Adam, thank you. Happy Halloween. Good luck with the uh, Optimus Prime uh, costume. Did you know about this, Rob? Well, it seems to be rotating, but it seems like right now it's very dead heat battle, uh, not unlike the other politics, but uh, I, <laughs> apparently Optimus is ahead by just a few points. He got a bump recently. but uh, well, well, we'll see what the swing states have to say about that. Uh, yeah, yeah, we, we could be back to Darth Vader here before uh, bedtime, so we'll see. Well, guess what? I'll be... <laughs> Can you come close to me? <laughs> I don't think he can move any closer than he is right now. <laughs> yeah, I'm as close as I can get. Go, go ahead, Adam. Um, do, you have any, do you have any sisters? <laughs> I do have a sister, now that you mention that. Uh, do you? Tom. What's their name? My sister's name is Nancy. And my sister, if you ever go to college and you want to learn about literature, my sister would be one of the people that would teach you that, Adam. So she's like a, she's like a teacher. You know what teachers are. My sister oh, does yeah. that. Do you have any sisters? And if so, what what are their no, names? I don't have any brothers or sisters. Uh, well, you know what? Uh, if I was there, I could be your pretend brother. And what? and my, my friend Jason, too. We could all be your pretend brothers. Absolutely. Sure. Uh, you know what? Having a sister is, is way better, though. Brothers are kind of jerks. I, I definitely recommend sisters. Way better, Adam. Uh, but guess what? EJ, yes. EJ's, EJ's sister, my friend EJ, do you know him? I do no. not. Uh, have I met him? Well, I met him before. Well, fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but guess what? Yes, Adam. Um, I yeah, she had. He has a sister right. named Lily, but right. Lily plays, but me and EJ play rough, <laughs> very rough, actually. No, you on tell the them. Trampoline, actually. Yeah. He play rough on the trampoline. Be very uh, careful playing rough on the trampoline. You'll put an eye out. No, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's an okay trampoline, actually. Uh, we I, always play football, and we kind of keep tackling couple each other very hard and we keep going and that my ball gave me that little and he and he trip and he came and, he, and I came, keep tripping over and I keep tripping him over and he uh, like he goes and, and, and EJ when I trip him over he goes like whoa 
Adam, I want to tell you yeah, something to do with the trampoline. He trips me. Uh-huh. He trips me. I go like, what? That's crazy. Okay, easy with the tripping because someone will fall. But here's what you want to do, Adam, with the trampoline. Take it near a swimming pool. Put it by the swimming pool and then jump off the trampoline into the swimming pool. Do a cannonball and get your friend's sister Lily like all wet. Splash her with the water from the cannonball. Uh, Don't do that. No, actually. <laughs> Don't listen to Tom on that. <laughs> I don't know what to do. All right, it was just a suggestion, Adam, but uh, yeah, all right. <laughs> Guess what? Yes, Adam. Sure. Um, you know, they don't have, I don't have a swimming pool, or they don't. They have a playground. Yeah, uh, you need a swimming pool to splash the lake. Although, you know what, Adam, guess what? What? Chicken butt. Oh. <laughs> Why do you shake chicken butt? I totally Why got you. I up? totally got you, Adam. <laughs> oh, he did. He looked back and started to kind of do his little giggle thing. Thank you so much for hanging out with us, Adam. Uh, you did a great job, and I loved your review. Thank you, Adam. All right, so for folks listening, uh, thank you so much for hanging out with us as well. McMaster, we will be back next week bringing what? Maybe some more Dwarf Fortress talk? Uh, I'll try. I'll try to move on to something else. No, you know what? If that's if that uh, if that's all you're playing, that's fine because there's not a lot of other things to play these days. I yeah, think. no, it's yeah, it's pretty tough market right now. <laughs> uh, so, instead, in addition to Dwarf Fortress talk, what can folks look forward to next week? Uh, news of the week and games of the week, I believe. I need to tell you something. So hold on one second. Uh, but Adam, you know what? Say goodbye to everyone who is listening. Join me in saying goodbye. Bye. Bye, Bye everyone. But, uh, but, uh, that's Constantinople, now it's Istanbul, now Constantinople, been a long time gone. Constantinople, now it's Turkish delight, on a moonlit night. Every gal in Constantinople lives in Istanbul, now Constantinople, so if you've a date in Constantinople, she'll be waiting in Istanbul.